Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist, and I'd like to welcome you to the Compliance Report International Edition. In this podcast, I take a look at a compliance issue from the international perspective with a compliance practitioner from outside the United States. Today, I have with me Tim Kazanov Badarov. Tim is a compliance professional with a focus on high risk markets. He works in the compliance, legal, consulting, and corporate governance space in Russia, Uzbekistan, the United States, Kazakhstan, and the Ukraine. He has successfully launched and supervised execution of compliance programs for global and local businesses in the mining, energy, and pharmaceutical sectors. He is the author of the Practical Guide, Integrity Corporation, 50 Tips for Your Compliance Program in the Post-Soviet States. He is also the author of and developer of the Compliance Man Illustrated book series. I visit with Tim today about 10 hot questions for corporate ethics in former Soviet states. The Compliance Report International Edition is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back for another episode of the Compliance Report International Edition. Today, I have a very special treat for you because I have Tim Kazanov-Batirov with me from the Ukraine. I think that's right, Tim. Well, almost. So now, technically, I'm in Moscow, Russia, but I used to work in Ukraine for, for seven years already. Okay. So he uh, is a compliance officer. As he mentioned, he worked in the Ukraine or Ukraine, rather. He's now in Moscow. And we thought it would be very interesting to talk about how a compliance professional might consider questions around doing business in uh, former states of the Soviet Union, former CIS states, current nations uh, in that part of the world, and, of course, uh, Russia. Um, Whatever you might think of the current political situation, I'm certainly of the opinion that the Russian market will open up for United States companies at some point in the future, and certainly uh, Ukraine is open to American markets, but it's very challenging. And so Tim is going to talk to us about some practical questions for embedding compliance programs in post-Soviet states, and more importantly, some of the practical answers that he has developed over his tenure as a compliance professional. So Tim, with that very long-winded introduction, uh, thank you for taking the time to visit me with me and welcome. Thank you, Tom. Thank you for hosting me today. I'm glad to be here. And as you have said, I will be glad to share my practical experience of doing compliance in the former Soviet Union and specifically, as you have mentioned, in Ukraine and Russia. So, Tim, you have put together a very useful um, uh, questionnaire that we're going to go through. And so I would thought uh, it's, um, it would be appropriate if I would just give the questions and if you could maybe give your thoughts so I'll start directly with question number one. Can we define the region region as a single territory for compliance program structuring, or would you suggest something different? Tom, that's a very tricky question, frankly, uh, considering the fact that we have 15 countries on the territory of the former Soviet Union. Technically, you have a legal regime which is very unique to each of them. In the same time, these countries at some extent share the very same business environment. 
and we are also mentioning the very same cultural background if we if we remember the former soviet union heritage so considering a number of factors the scope of your business where are you exactly present in this uh, market the answer might be it might be a very single territory for the compliance programming or you might have 15 countries another argument and here i i, I think and we know that that you are a deep expert is question of the enforcement practice if you have faced a situation that you were already penalized uh, i have seen in practice that companies tend to have compliance teams in, in each country tailoring their programs to local legislations and in the same time, of course, addressing FCPA requirements. While some others are not, they might not have a big business here and they might have one person for the whole territory. So the answer is, depends. So one of the things, indeed, I wrote about this morning was the different cultures in uh, each country and how, as a business leader or a compliance officer, you really need to be aware of uh, the culture of the country and then the company uh, that you're doing business with or your company. Um, uh, Americans tend not to travel a lot, and so we tend to think of former Soviet countries as a, as a monolith, really just one. But uh, from just my visiting with you, it appears it's really each country is very unique and different. Would you agree with that, or would you say you could take a look at it as one area? Well, Tom, I have some experience with the United States. I, I got a chance to study at the University of Minnesota, so I'm trying to be nice, Minnesotan nice. <laughs> so I will say that, of course, the majority of the people who live in the territory of the former Soviet Union, they speak Russian, they, they, they studied at the school with the very same programs. While, of course, we have specifics in each country. I used to work personally in Uzbekistan, in Kazakhstan, and as I have said, in Ukraine and Russia. So we see that some peculiarities, of course, uh, exist. So I would agree with you that if you want to be successful in compliance risk management in specific country, the former Soviet Union, of course, you should know its specifics. You should know its cultural traditions, its heritage. For example, let's remember this gifts thing, which is kind of very uh, important issue in FCP enforcement. So I would agree with you that you have to understand specifics of each country in order to implement compliance program effectively. So Tim, what regulatory trends uh, should be taken into consideration by a compliance professional who's in charge of a geography which would include the former uh, Soviet states we've been talking about? That's a very actual question these days at, at, at this territory. I would mention two big trends. The first thing that in many countries, like for example in Russia and in Ukraine, the legislation has been developing to implement best practices in terms of the requirements to integrity within organizations. So in Ukraine, for example, there is a law which is kind of uh, at some extent, I would say, repeating 10 hallmarks of the effective compliance program while adding some other additional requirements. That would mean that the first trend is 
development of local compliance legislation at these countries. The second trend, I would think, is more of supranational character, as some countries of the former Soviet Union has unified in a kind of European Union type of community called Eurasian Economic Union. And what's interesting that this new supranational organization has developed a legislation in some very important to compliance professional aspects as taxes, licensing, which is compulsory across the borders of these countries. So the second trend in terms of regulatory uh, developments is the legislative changes which are inspired and developed by the creation of the Eurasian Economic Union. So, Tim, what do you see as the biggest challenge in embedding corporate compliance programs in this area? I, I, I think I won't say something really new with regard to that. This is, of course, engagement of top management, as probably all across the world. So, what I have seen in my practice is when you get support of top management, it works. Otherwise, it is something which regulators call is a paper compliance program. So I would think that Ton at the Top is number one in our list of the most important things which we have to have in mind trying to implement compliance programs at this territory. So when you say top management, do you mean the top management in the companies uh, at the uh, region we're talking about, or do you mean the top management back in the United States or wherever the home office might be? Oh, that's that's a great point you have raised because what we have seen from the enforcement practice is that sometimes people at headquarters, you know, share the values and uh, think that the integrity is uh, within their subsidiaries at the, at, the, at the overseas as well, while people at, at the country level within uh, the former Soviet Union might not be uh, that good. In the same time, I would say that if we have support from top management, from the headquarters, as you have said, from the US, it will be easier for people on the ground to engage country managers here while, of course, it is very important to have a very good and transparent dialogue with the local management as well. So I think the best scenario, of course, no surprises, is having support both from the headquarters and at the local level. So, Tim, do you have any practical recommendations uh, to disseminate or as to dissemination of integrity amongst uh, local personnel for each company we've been talking about? Well, as you have said, Tom, I tried to somehow summarize my experiences and, you know, to consolidate tips which I made based on 10 hallmarks of the effective compliance program on the ebook. So, in terms of the dissemination of the compliance and integrity across this territory, I would specifically notice, among other tips, the following one. Lead by example. This is something which is very important here. If you are showing the example of behavior which is expected by the corporate policies, 
you can be sure that people will be following you. If there is no such example, you might have a very good, sophisticated programs you, which are developed by the best consultants and you know which were trans, which were transferred to you from the corporate office it just won't work here lead by example is the best recommendation i think which can be given to compliance people here and to management who are responsible for these territories so i'd now like to turn to a question of whether it's legally permissible to deploy a compliance program in the region? That's another tricky question which, which you have raised, Tom. The thing is that we can face a different situations here. The first thing which we have to mention is the local requirements towards compliance programs, which we have already discussed earlier on. The second thing, this might be related to different areas of local legislations. For example, in some countries, you might have very stringent requirements with regard to data privacy. That would mean that the effective implementation of your hotline might be affected or at some extent should be tailored to uh, address local data privacy legislation. The same relates to anti-monopoly, as we call it here, or in American legal language, it is antitrust legislation. While you want to have a due diligence and it's a requirement and nobody is arguing, the local regulators might not be very happy in terms of enforcing by you due diligence program as in the view of the local, for example, anti-monopoly watchdogs, you might infringe local antitrust laws. So you have to be very attentive in terms of the in implementing compliance program at the very specific region. So you have to double check if you are also complying with the local laws, not only anti-corruption slash compliance legislation, but also in other areas of law, as for example, as we have said, data privacy, antitrust and others. So Tim, one of the questions that continually comes up really in every location across the globe is how to deliver effective training. What have you seen as the most effective way to deliver training in your part of the world? That's, that's, that's what I would like to specifically note that comparing to different other, let's say, Western jurisdictions. Here, it is very important from my perspective to have face-to-face -face trainings. And what is also very important from my perspective is to engage the supervisor of the group for whom you are doing compliance to, uh, to your training. So in my practice, it worked when, you know, I, I asked top managers who were responsible for the specific business unit or specific industry to participate with me at the training for his team. So that worked really good. When he or she, not me as a compliance person, was telling to his team about the integrity and the requirements which they have to comply with specifics of their industry or unit, that worked very well. From my perspective, it was a very good recipe. 
So are there important things to remember about imposing penalties? And I suppose uh, for, for misconduct, of course, on local personnel, and I suppose I should say that here in the United States, uh, workers' rights, I, I believe, are much less robust than in your part of the world. And so many Americans uh, would simply say, well, if someone has violated something, they, they can be terminated. Is that, uh, and I think that's very different uh, where you practice. What are your thoughts on that? Tom, I fully agree with you because it's a very big issue in this part of the world as the labor legislation is fully supportive to employees in many jurisdictions in this part of the world. That would mean that you have a very big challenge. You have to address FCPA requirements while disciplining uh, misconduct. And at the same time, it might not be that easy in local jurisdictions having in mind provisions of the local labor laws. They might not necessarily have in consideration or address, you know, concerns of the foreign laws like FCPA or UK Bribery Act. So for the compliance practitioner here, as you have said, it's a challenge to address both legislative environments, local and extraterritorial, as for example, the FCPA. So, Tim, I think one thing that compliance professionals struggle with really across the globe is whether or not they're appreciated by their colleagues and uh, not their colleagues in compliance, but their their business colleagues. And so I was wondering if you would have any thoughts on whether people on the ground appreciate the compliance and ethics efforts in your part of the world. I have seen different situations. I have seen different countries in, in this part of the world. And I can tell you that people believe and people want to be compliant. They are they are sub, a full support of integrity and ethics efforts of compliance team in the ground. What is important here is to demonstrate that there is positive movement, that you are curing the situation, that the misconduct is penalized. In this case, uh, you can get more support, you can win more hearts for, for compliance. So, Demonstration of results and real genuine will to change things is something which works here if you want to get support from, from, from personnel. So, Tim, uh, you are involved in several compliance groups, I believe, and um, uh, we've actually had uh, compliance officers from the CIS uh, former CIS territories come to the United States. So my sense is there's actually a very active and vibrant compliance community of professionals such as yourself uh, who are really um, attempting to bring the the, biz, the compliance and ethics to businesses. Uh, would you say that's a, a fair statement or something different? That's 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 very fair, and this is true. Uh, we have a very strong compliance community in the in the former Soviet Union, in Moscow, in in Russia, uh, in Kazakhstan, in Ukraine, and I I feel that there is a very good intention, and the word compliance 
is becoming more known to Russian, Ukrainian, Kazakh business world. So I think that the compliance movement is increasing. We are getting more people who are interested in this type of professional activity. So I'm, I, I think it's a very positive and very inspiring trend here. So, Tim, you have come up with an idea that I have not seen in the compliance community uh, anywhere uh, from uh, Russia to America or anywhere else. It's called <laughs> compliance Man. I was wondering if you tell the audience who is Compliance Man, how you came up with this idea, and uh, where people might find Compliance Man. Well, Tom, if you allow me, I won't disclose today who is Compliance Man. All right. But... If you if you invite me once more, I will do that. I promise. So, in any case, I would like to say that you're absolutely right, saying that we have launched this crazy idea of having a comics about routine life of a compliance person. So we got a compliance man. He looks like a Batman, probably, and he has friends, which is Mr. Legal. So we have launched the first episode last week and we are launching the second episode tomorrow. So this is something which I think is very important to have a very clear and frank discussion about compliance profession. And this, in my perspective, could be done in an illustrative way. It might be an epic fail. I don't know, Tom, but I, I hope, I cross my fingers that people will like this approach. Well, we're going to link to uh, the first episode, and, and uh, by the time this episode uh, goes on air, uh, it sounds like your second episode may be out, or second edition, I should say. So we'll link to those, and we'll let people uh, take a look at Compliance Man. It's certainly, from my perspective, one of the most unique ways to communicate uh, about the compliance profession, and I really appreciate your efforts around that. Many compliance professionals really do what you and I have talked about in this podcast, which is the nuts and bolts. But there's an entire another part that you're involved with, which is the compliance profession and promoting the compliance profession. So I applaud you for your efforts, and I look forward to seeing where you might be able to go uh, with Compliance Man or any of your other initiatives going forward. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. Thank you for your support and thank you for having me today. I am, I'm very inspired and I will be continue, I will continue my efforts in enforcing compliance in the corporate world in the way uh, I, I, I can think is, is, is effective. Thank you so much. So I was wondering if uh, anyone wanted to contact you um, via email or another route, uh, if they could, uh, how they would do so. Uh, we, we have contacts at the website where we will post our uh, episodes and in the very same platform you could be able to, you will be able to find the uh, integrity corp 50 tips for your compliance program in the post soviet union so basically it's the very uh, very same website where you can find uh, contact details and of course you are very op uh, very uh, welcome to share your thoughts both about the, the book, the guide, and the adventures of the compliance man. So what's the name of uh, the website? The name of the website is uh, complianceinpostussr.com. 
Well, Tim, this has been a fascinating conversation. I look forward to continuing uh, the conversation on the International Report. As you know, we try to take um, the experiences of someone outside the United States. So we look forward to your reporting from uh, both Russia and uh, former CIA states going forward. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. You can count on me. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of the Compliance Report International Edition. If you have listened to this podcast on iTunes, I would greatly appreciate it if you would rate our podcast as we're the only internationally focused compliance and ethics podcast and would help in our rankings and get the word out about this most unique podcast. Also, if you have any questions, please feel free to email me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. This is Tom Fox. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Compliance Report International Edition, and I hope you will join me again for another episode. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.